You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Hey, everybody. Dave here. It's our pleasure to bring you this great interview with CISA Director Jen Easterly, where she provides her insight into the current cyber threat landscape. Be sure to keep up with our CISA Cybersecurity Alerts, which the CyberWire provides as a public service to the community entirely ad-free. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app or visit thecyberwire.com. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Hello and welcome to this CyberWire Special Edition. I'm Dave Bittner. Jen Easterly is Director of the Cybersecurity Infrastructure and Security Agency, a position she's held for just over a year now. In her time as CISA Director, she's led a team focused on the cybersecurity of the nation, guiding the mission of protecting both the public and private sectors. I spoke with Director Easterly earlier this week. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. Well, first of all, it's great to be with you, Dave. And I just have to say thanks because you all reached out to us to actually put our alerts on CyberWire. And we are huge fans of the CyberWire. And it's terrific to actually have that as an additional platform for people to get our alerts. So we try and get them out as as often as and in various different ways and various different platforms, but fantastic to be part of the CyberWire family, and you guys reached out, and so I really appreciate it. Well, we're very excited about the collaboration as well, and, and uh, just, you know, hoping it continues to lead to more good things. You know, uh, there's been a commentary about uh, using the, the phrase shields up with the uh, initiative, and um, I have to say that as someone who uh, grew up watching Star Trek The Next Generation, it resonates with me 
and I get it. Um, not, not everyone has been a big fan of that. What's been the the uh, the feedback so far with Shields Up? Um, not everyone's been a big fan because they don't like Star Trek or they don't like Shields Up. Well, I think there's a little bit of the Star Trek thing, but I think maybe <laughs> what people take issue is more that it's kind of a binary thing. They're either up or down. And the natural question is, will they ever be down? Yeah, no, it's a great question. You know, we started this a little bit was my kind of obsession with with Star Trek, but we started this as a way to signal a sense of urgency to our stakeholders, from our critical infrastructure owners and operators, to our partners at the state and local level, uh, that this was a different situation. And we wanted to be able to provide a message that could be received and absorbed by all of our stakeholders, you know, to include the American people, but business owners, large and small, chief executive officers, the technical community. And we wanted a pretty simple way of doing it. And that was this sort of shields up. I think, you know, to get to your question, and I've been interrogated on this before by by others, at the end of the day, I think we all realize that shields up has to be the new normal. What we've been focused on over the past couple of years, certainly motivated by the attacks that we've seen from nation states and cyber criminals and certainly the scourge of ransomware over the past couple of years, is the need to collectively raise our game in cyber and to recognize that this is not a government thing. This is not an industry thing. This is not uh, an individual thing. It's in we're all in this together and we all have responsibility to implement the basics of cybersecurity controls, cyber hygiene for the good of the nation. And so, you know, Chris Inglis and I wrote an op-ed on this, essentially Shields Up is the new normal. So the question is, how do we actually distinguish from being at our highest level of urgency to a Shields Up, which is Yes, we can let our incident responders and our SOC personnel take vacation once in a while. Because what we don't want to have is vigilance fatigue. And as head of America's Cyber Defense Agency, Dave, I'm particularly worried about that. I want to make sure that my great network defenders, my threat hunters, my vulnerability management folks, my incident responders are not burning out. And so ultimately, I think we need a way to calibrate what the threat is, whether it's at a significantly high level based on what we're seeing from the intelligence community, our industry partners, or is it a level of what I would call guarded, which is we always need to be at some level of alert for uh, cyber threats, but we don't need to be at our highest level of alert. And so that's what we are looking to create, essentially a national cyber alert system And this is, uh, the thinking on this, Dave, was very informed by my time in the financial services sector where the FSISAC, the Financial Services Information Sharing and Analysis Center, had a mechanism to say, okay, we are at this level, we are going to move to this level, these are the things you should be doing at this level, and then we're not going to stay there forever, we're actually going to come together and decide, do we stay, do we go up one, do we move down one, and so... We'll never be at, you know, level green. Well, I think we always as a nation need to be guarded, but then we need to calibrate when do we move to elevated? When do we move to critical? And we need a disciplined and rigorous way to say this is why we're moving and signal to the American people 
and to critical infrastructure owners and operators, this is what it means. And this, these are the actions that you should be taking. And I think part of that is clarity of communications that technical folks have not always been awesome at. And it's one reason why we are working so hard to make sure that we are communicating with clarity and with a way that distinguishes the various audiences that we need to communicate to, whether it's the business community, the technical community, the the individual. And so we're really putting a lot of effort in uh, communications and the cyber threat advisory system will be a piece of that that I think will be value-added. Could you give us some insights uh, as to what goes on behind the scenes at CISA in terms of collaborating with the various other government agencies to help spread the word and get this information out to the public? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things, Dave, that motivated me to come back from the private sector to government was the impression I had as uh, a member of critical infrastructure, owner and operator doing cybersecurity within Morgan Stanley was the government was just not as coherent as it should be, could be, to the private sector in the partnership that needs to be forged to be able to protect and defend critical infrastructure that Americans rely on every hour of every day. And I had seen you know, different products coming from different parts of the government and sometimes sending a slightly different signal And one of the things that we are really trying to work hard on is, and hopefully you've seen this in the alerts that you all publish uh, on your platform, is almost all of our advisories now, Dave, are joint. We do them with FBI, we do them with NSA, sometimes we'll do them with the sector risk management agency like Energy or Treasury, if it's specific to those sectors. We'll often do it with our international partners, which is terrific because it sends that common signal that here is the guidance that we're putting out. It's informed by the full federal cyber ecosystem and some by the international cyber ecosystem. And so that is one of the real behind the scenes pushes that we've been very focused on uh, over the past year is much greater coherence. The other thing that we're really focused on is making sure, and this is also informed by my time in the private sector, that everything we put out is timely, is relevant, is actionable. When you're a network defender, whether it's at the state or local level, whether it's in a small business, a large business, you want the information that you get to be something that you can actually do something with to help secure your network. And so we are very focused on making sure that everything we put out is of value and is timely. And one of the things that I would say to your audience is please continue to give us feedback. We are the newest agency in the federal government. We are a startup agency. Uh, We are evolving. And my general view in life is we need to treat feedback as a gift and approach everything we do with a sense of gratitude and a sense of humility. We need to realize that we are part of a community, which is awesome. And I'm sure you you recognize this, right, Dave? I mean, the Mm. cybersecurity community is in many ways, really magical, Um, incredibly focused, dedicated, imaginative, uh, creative people who, whether they work in the government or whether they work in industry, are very mission-focused and like to solve hard problems. 
So we need to approach all of this as a community. So we're looking to add value. We are looking to collaborate with all of our partners. But behind the scenes, we're very focused on being coherent and being uh, value added. So please continue to give us feedback on these advisories because we want to make them useful to the community. Well, let's talk about community. Uh, you know, I know that you all have been aggressively recruiting um, and indeed have put some things in place that make it easier for you to be more competitive with private industry. Yeah, I'm excited about this. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what we're doing. But, you know, at high level, nobody comes to the government to make money. Like We're able to provide much higher salaries now. So we've received these new authorities through the cyber talent management system, and that's great. People come to government. Why? It's a sense of mission. You get to defend your nation. Everybody that joins CISA raises their right hand and swears to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And that's, to me, who served most of my life over 20 years in uniform. It's a really special thing. In all times, it's a privilege. And oftentimes, it's difficult and complicated, and it takes a lot of work. <laughs> um, so, you know, this is not about us trying to replicate the private sector. Um, it is about us being able to be more competitive from a salary perspective. But again, we're looking for people who want to defend the nation, who are mission-focused, who want to be collaborative team players, who are problem solvers, who are technical, but who will also really fit well in our culture. And if you look at our core principles, really the big themes are about collaboration, teamwork, empowerment, ownership, innovation, uh, inclusion, trust, transparency. That's what CISA is all about. And so those are the type of people that we, we are aggressively looking to bring on board. And we've made some fantastic hires uh, recently. And we just had this great hiring fair where we had 5,000 people I almost, um, you know, I'm usually have a very low heartbeat and, you know, this one elevated my heart rate a little bit. I'm like, oh my God, 5,000 people, what are we going to do? Yeah, but the team actually, dating. yeah, no kidding. So the team actually extended the hiring fair. Um, we were very diligent about following up because I think it's really important that people who apply to CISA have a good experience, even in the, you know, recruiting, the hiring conversations. And then certainly, that we're developing a talent management ecosystem that's, you know, good for recruiting, but the onboarding, the integration into culture, the coaching, the mentoring, the the opportunities for promotion and advancement, and all of this is is what's going to help us recruit world, continue to recruit world class talent. And you know, th this is a build. We're not there yet, but I'm excited about the direction we're going in. And you know, retention is a big part of this. But I will say. I approach this a little differently. I, I know that a lot of people um, are not looking to build a career in government. A lot of people want to come in, they want to defend their country, and then they want to go on to other things. And I think it's great because if you come to CISA and then you go do other things in the cybersecurity space, you are contributing to the collective cyber defense of this nation. So again, I see it as community and I see it as partnership. And so um, I love being able to 
leverage this platform to sort of cross-pollinate excellence against the wider uh, ecosystem and community. I noticed that recently you put the word out about uh, a program that is uh, the Cyber Innovation Fellows, uh, which I think is innovative in its own right. Can you can you take us through that program? Yeah, it's awesome. So we actually uh, started ideating on this when I visited the National Cybersecurity Center in uh, London last year and spent some time with my friend, Lindy Cameron, who's the CEO of the center. And they had this program called I-100, Industry 100, where they essentially brought in industry partners. They gave them a NCSC laptop. Uh, they made them part of the team for a couple of days, um, you know, maybe one to two days a week for a period of time. And it extended their reach and their community between NCSC and the private sector. And it was, I sat with a, a whole room of about 30 of them and got feedback. And I thought it was a terrific model. And so this is our pilot to actually create something similar where somebody will come in from the private sector. They will join us as a CISA teammate. Uh, they'll join one of our teams. They could join the Joint Cyber Defense Collaborative or JCDC, our threat hunt team, our vulnerability management team, and actually be part of our mission um, for a certain period of time a week. And then it can be up to uh, four months. We can actually extend that. And then they go back to their regular job, but they're sort of an extension of CISA can get on our network, can help us deal with problems that they might have information about based on what they've been working on in the private sector. And so it just creates these stronger bonds between the private sector and CISA, which is so important because the magic of this agency is we are very external facing, which I love. Somebody that grew up in the army and in the intelligence community and in the policy community where you're very much sort of in your silos we are very outward facing, which is awesome, but it's about creating trusted partnerships and bringing people in and having them work in here for periods of time and then go back out and say, wow, what a great agency. We should absolutely partner with them. And so that's what we're looking to develop with the Cyber Innovation Fellows. And it's it's a partnership with, with industry and that industry realizes the benefit of sending somebody on their team to come work with us. They're actually funding that person because they see that benefits in strengthening the connective tissue. So we're doing that pilot. I'm super excited about it. Um, we'll see how that goes and what and we might build on that pilot. But, um, you, you know, I've been checking in pretty often with my teammates at NCSC and uh, that program there has been terrific. So we're hoping to build and capitalize on that momentum. It strikes me that as a new agency, a new organization within the government, you really do have a bit of an advantage of being able to create your own culture. And I think those of us who've seen what you've been doing from the outside, I think that's really remarkable. This is not a stuffy government agency. You're out, as you say, you're you're forward-facing. You're out there meeting people where they live. And, and I think that makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, thanks for saying that. That's really, it's funny. So so today is my one year since I was confirmed. Congratulations. So, so thank you. So I'm a little reflective about what have I learned over the past year. 
And I often say, Dave, I really didn't know what to expect from this job because, you know, I hadn't been in DHS before. CISA was a new agency. It was created when I was at Morgan Stanley. And I will tell you in all sincerity, this is the best job, best job I've ever had. I think it's the best job in government. And it's a job that is very much focused around relationships and partnerships and people, which is awesome. And as you said, to be able to create trusted partnerships, you have to meet people where they're at. Um, And I am, you know, I decided when I came back from the private sector, I wasn't going to change anything about my, my, you know, what I was doing in the private sector. And so, you know, I like to get out and meet people and have fun and let people know the things that uh, I love, like rock music. And really spend time getting to know my partners. And so that's the best part of it. And as I often say, you know, we're not another lumbering bureaucracy. We can't be. You have to move at the speed of cyber. And so Mm. wherever I go, it's about getting to know other people. I often say you've got to lead by the platinum rule, which is not treat others as you want to be treated, but treat others as they want to be treated. Because we're all different, right? We all experience things differently. We, we hear things differently. We absorb information differently. We're a product of different experiences. And so you really have to take time to get to know how other people think, how what makes them tick, how they operate to create that trust. And you're not going to be able to create that trust if people don't think that you are being authentic. And so that that's what it's all about is like, I just got to be me. <laughs> you know, be your authentic self in some ways. As a leader, it's incredibly important to be able to show vulnerability. Uh, and that's how you create these trusted partnerships. And so when people look at CISA, I don't want them to see this, you know, as you said, fusty bureaucracy. They want to see people that look like them, that are fun people who are having a good time solving really tough problems, depending on the nation, and um, be a team that people want to join. And to your point, I, you know, totally on the culture, I've spent so much of my time over the past year. Um, laying out, working, basically co-creating with our teammates and our employees all across the board. What are our core values? Collaboration, innovation, service, accountability. What are our core principles, the things that we expect from each other and that really lay the foundation of how we behave, you know, both within our teams and to our uh, to our partners across the board. And a lot of that is grounded in building an environment of psychological safety which I'm a huge proponent of uh, because I think that's the key to people waking up in the morning and say, I can't wait to do my job. I love my teammates. I feel empowered by my leadership and I feel like I'm making a difference every day. And that's the culture that we are trying to build at CISA because as I often tell my team, if that's not what your life's about, go do something else. Life is short. It really is very short. I lost my little brother to suicide and that was a huge, you know, impact obviously on my life. But what it taught me is you got to make the most of every single minute and don't spend that minute giving power to things or people that make you unhappy. Spend that minute making a positive difference in the lives of others. Now, one of the things that I know you launched last year was the Joint Cyber Defense Collaborative. How's that going? Yeah, I think it's going great. Uh, So the JCDC uh, was built off the back of authorities that we got from Congress in the beginning of 2021. 
And the fantastic thing about this is these are authorities that, um, so based in law, brings together the power of the federal cyber ecosystem. It's the only entity in the U.S. government that does that. So within the law, you've got CISA, NSA, FBI, Cybercom, Justice, the uh, Director of National Intelligence, you've got uh, the Secret Service, you've got the National Cyber Director, all together in one platform, which is terrific because that can be essentially the platform where we interface with the private sector. So the private sector doesn't have a have to figure out where do I go when I want to engage with the government in cyber defense planning and operations. And so we have built this platform of the JCDC over the past year. We developed what we call the JCDC Alliance, which are about 25 of the biggest technology companies in the world. So the cybersecurity vendors, the ISPs, the CSPs, uh, the backbone infrastructure companies. And why is that important? Because these companies underpin our critical infrastructure and provide us that visibility into that threat environment. So the idea is you bring together the federal cyber ecosystem and uh, that community to help us uh, bring together, connect the dots, and drive down risk to the nation at scale. And this is a model that's really been accelerated through some of the urgency around Log4Shell, where we really had to work very closely with the technology community, with the rest of the critical infrastructure community, with the fantastic researcher community, um, very quickly to put together um, a way to be able to share information and inform each other so that we could uh, help drive down risk of exploitation from that pretty serious and ubiquitous vulnerability. It was also uh, the urgency of Shields Up, our Shields Up campaign with the invasion of Ukraine, where we came together with these companies. We actually built a Ukraine tensions plan, a multi-phase plan about what we were going to do if there was an actual invasion, uh, what we were going to do if there was a uh, related attack on U.S. critical infrastructure. And we developed, uh, I like to joke, Dave, that we used a very exotic technical tool to share information called Slack. So we <laughs> developed these Slack channels, and it's been transformative in terms of people across industry, across the government, sharing information in real time that then gets enriched by what the government has, but what we get from our international partners. And the cool thing is, is a lot of that is then reflected back in the advisories that you all help us get out. And so oftentimes we'll develop something, we'll share it with our JCDC Alliance partners. They'll help enrich it maybe from what they've been seeing. And then what goes out is something that's more um, useful to the community because it's got the government, it's often got international partners, it's got uh, industry contributing to it. And, and that, I think, is what has made our advisories over the past year um, so much more powerful. It's the collaboration that we have brought that is really much, much more than partnership. We're moving away from this hackneyed public-private private partnership to what is I like to call true operational collaboration, where we are uh, together sharing uh, relevant insights and information, connecting those dots to drive down risk to the nation at scale. So, you know, we're almost a year old for JCDC, so it's still new, but I've been really encouraged by the team and what they've been able to accomplish and, you know, frankly, just really proud of them. It's going to sound like a, a basic question, but I, I think you'll get what I'm going for here, which is you know, how do you and your colleagues, your teammates, 
measure success? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, we're actually uh, putting together the first CISA strategy, and that should come out in the coming months. But that is the key question. And as you know, because you've been in this world for a while, that's the question that all of us ask. How, how do you measure reduction of cyber risk. In fact, when I took, uh, when I, when I came to this agency, our mission was to understand and manage, uh, risk to our cyber and physical infrastructure. And I very intentionally changed it to, we lead the national effort to understand, manage, and reduce risk to the cyber and physical infrastructure that Americans rely on every hour of every day. And so what that's predicated on is being able to articulate measures of performance which don't really tell us much about risk reduction. You know, how many advisories did we put out? Um, how many right. incident response did we conduct? But more importantly, measures of effectiveness. How are we able to truly drive down risk to the nation? And so we're actually putting together those things right now. You, you know, and uh, in terms of how we're looking at things, just to see if we're having traction on the things that we are doing without um, without clearly articulated MOP or MOE yet, we are very hopeful that the new legislation, the cyber incident reporting legislation, will help us get that baseline. Because frankly, we don't have a baseline and, and a lot of things go unreported. Hmm. Um, and so I'm excited about finally getting that legislation in place. We're going through a rulemaking process. It's going to be very consultative and collaborative. I'm very focused on harmonizing uh, the reporting here with the other reporting that's required of industry, so it's not overly burdensome. Uh, but I think that'll help us establish that baseline so we, got, we can actually say, oh, we are driving down the number of, uh, the number of um, vulnerabilities. We're driving down uh, the number of compromises, the number of incidents, and we are truly raising the baseline. Uh, of cybersecurity across the nation. And so that is one of um, the big things that I'm focused on in the coming year. All right. Well, CISA Director Jenny Sterley, thanks so much for taking the time for us today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, Dave. Really appreciate it. Our thanks to Director Easterly for spending the time with us. And thank you for listening to this CyberWire special edition. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. Oh,